Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I am honored to be joined by somebody I call a brother, but you guys may know him as a two-time Olympic gold medalist, a 12-time All-Star, and one of the dopest nicknames you can ever have in the game of basketball, the point god, Chris Paul. Welcome to the pod, brother. Yes, sir. Welcome brother. to the Thanks wild. for having me. I appreciate it. My you. brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, I always like to start, when we have a relationship, I always like to start when, when was the last moment that we were together. And you and I were together in L.A. at SoFi, the football game. It was the day before you went off and got your hand surgery. Yeah. And we also was talking to my nephew, Lil Chris, about his injury. Yeah. And about not rushing back from his injury. Yeah. How do one, as a father who's dealing with injury at that time, and dealing with a son who loves to play the game of basketball, just like you and I, who just want to be out there, who's dealing with an injury, how do you talk to him about patience? Man, um, first and foremost, this is super dope. Appreciate you having me here. Yeah, bro. Uh, this is for, what, shits and giggles, or we can drink? Oh, this is for us. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. All right, just yeah. ask. Just ask. <laughs> but uh, little Chris, uh, it's been interesting, especially to watch him get older, right? Obviously, watching your kids grow up, you know, watching male kids grow up and all the different guys, it's crazy because it seems like it goes really fast. And with Chris, when he got hurt, he got hurt early in the summer. And when he rolled his ankle, just like any other parent, I was at the game and he rolled his ankle and I was like, you all right? I was like, you hurt or you injured? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can you play or you can't? And then he finished that game, played the next day. And then, you know, the next day is when mom, when Jada seen him and took him, got an x-ray. And it actually ended up being pretty bad. So he was out for a long time, for six months. Mm. And that's hard, you know, especially as a kid, because we we always just used to playing. And so I was trying to explain to him about how hard rehab is. and But a lot of times I'm just dad. Right. So it was cool for you to talk to him and 
I definitely think that helped him. We were in a corner. Hmm. We were, the football game was going on. We were in a corner, like having that, like yep. that Hooper discussion. Yep. And you were, and what I love about it is because we all have, we, the, all the Hoopers who have kids, it's hard to necessarily communicate with them the way people on the outside may think, oh, they're Hoopers. They got the answers to the test. Right. But they don't want the answers to the test from you. Especially not from dad. <laughs> they don't want it from you. So CP sitting there like, Get them up. <laughs> and we all do that. We we all have moments where it's been times with Zaire. I'm like, CP, Zaire going to be down there. I need you to talk to him. Yep. And and those moments are needed. And so the conversation was more so about, yeah, you have a long career. You don't want to be out there, you know, limping around. You're not 100%. You know you ain't conditioned. You know your win ain't right. You don't want to get out there and get embarrassed. Like, we're talking, like, straight up and real. And last time I seen him, he actually brought it up. and was like, huh? He was like, I'm back playing. And I heard you. I took your advice type stuff. And I was like... It's crazy because I, I went to school one day, <clears throat> went over to their school, and he knew he wasn't supposed to be hooping. And I walked on campus <laughs> and I seen him out there playing. And <laughs> it's crazy because when, when it's your own kids, because it's like he was playing and he turned and looked at me and I just looked at him like, all right, all right, that's on you. That's on you. But um, he coming along. He just touched the rim the other day for the first time. Like what? Like a little low grace? That's yeah, I told him if his fingernails was a little shorter, he wouldn't have got it. But I'm going to tell you, especially living away from them, man, it's, it's so crazy because um, it came through, obviously, as a text. And as soon as I seen it, and I give him a hard time, right, all the time, just because life's going to be hard on him. So I always give him a hard time. But when the text came through in a group chat with me and Jay, I... Uh, I like got excited. Like my stomach got tense. I was like, what the hell going on? What, how, how he doing this? <laughs> and uh, I called him right away. and he, he was so excited. So it's cool. So that dynamic, right? That father-son dynamic that it's, it's hard for a lot of us. You heard me at the Hall of Fame talking to my dad. Yes. My story, my Hall of Fame speech was a love letter to yeah. my father who put the ball in my hand. But we had our journey and it was a hard journey because he was the guy who had to be tough on me. Your dad was in your journey. How was that relationship early on when it came to basketball and their relationship with, with Pops? Oh, man, uh, growing up, just like anybody, I felt like my dad didn't like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> me and my brother, same thing, because we, we, it was hard. It was hard, but um, you get older and you realize that it's out of love. And you know my mom, my dad so well, and they, my dad used to always say, I ain't your friend. You know what I mean? I'm not mm -hmm. gonna I'm not gonna be your old friend. school with it. Old school with it. And that's what I that's how I am with my kids, with little Chris and with Cam, because uh they live a very abnormal life. You know, we know uh the fact that he get to say Uncle D, Uncle Dwayne, like that's very abnormal. And so I try to be as strict as possible or whatnot and just but love them for sure. You know what I'm saying? I was hugged a lot you know, as, as a kid. And so while I'm being hard on my kids, I'm definitely hugging them and giving them that love, but trying to make sure they understand sort of what grind is in this abnormal life. Yeah. You and I have been knowing each other 19 years now. Uh, we met in 05 when you were drafted. Yeah. Um, because we shared a brotherhood with, you know, the, the relationship with Melo, the relationship with Brian. We all have our separate individual relationships. And so we all became brothers because of it. But I didn't get a chance to, to get to know North Carolina, Chris Paul. Who was he? Well, first and foremost, Coach Cream put us on the phone one time when I played on the college USA team. You probably don't remember that. I was just in no, college. No, I remember that. You're see, a young fellow. See, forget you too. <laughs> but um, it was crazy uh, growing up in Carolina. I mean, yeah. I was a regular 
I mean, I came from a middle-class family. Yeah. Mom and dad worked. Uh, shout out to Charles and Robin. Shout yeah. out to shout out to the Paul, Mr. and Mrs. Paul. Yeah, they somewhere. Ain't no telling. Uh, I think my dad here. I don't know where my mama at, but um, they'll be at the space event. You know, you know, you know, your mom will be at the space event. Yeah, we grew up having space tournaments. <laughs> you know, shout out to my mama. I don't remember what year it was. Man, but, no, we ain't talking we about won. that. We won. Me and my mama won the annual D Wade Space Tournament. What that was, was before that? we start counting the winners. Don't that's that didn't even count. That was That's exhibition. a lie. We got a trophy in the crib. So just know that we got a trophy. Um, <laughs> But it, it was cool. I grew up, um, man, I was at church four, four days a week. Mm. Uh, I was an usher at church, played football and basketball. My parents said me and CJ could only play two sports. They said that's what they could afford and that's what they could get us to. But I grew up around all my family, right? And I think, obviously, anytime, you know, we talk about stuff or people see me somewhere talking about stuff, that that means a lot to me is I got a chance to grow up around all my cousins, my aunts and uncles. So as great as this NBA journey has been, that's the biggest thing that I miss is, yeah. is my family. Yeah, I um I was thinking about that, you know, when I was preparing for this interview. And the word that kept coming to mind, because it's not a in the, it's not a negative word to me when I say this, is I kind of envy that a little bit, is watching these 19 years, watching how big of a family you have and how connected you guys are and how how you guys do so much together and and how much of a family person you are. I don't have that necessarily. My family doesn't, we're not, we're not like that, but my, I try to do that with my immediate family, try to keep yeah. us close. But growing up in a, with a big family like that, um, have you ever felt like, have you ever felt any expectations to be anybody that you didn't want to be, to do anything you didn't want to do, or you always felt protected and safe? Um, I think we all sort of battle with that, you know, at times. I definitely felt protected and safe because my family, they different now. You know, they're going to ride for me. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else, they're going to ride for me. I don't care what it is. And, and I love that about my family. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we, we roll deep. But it is tough. Uh, sometimes because it's somewhat of a disconnect. You think about it, I'm in my 19th NBA season. So a lot of my family, I don't get a chance to see. You know, you you went through that too. And so it, it gets tough because you got these little cousins, right, who they go to school proudly and they say that they're your cousin mm -hmm. or your family, but mm -hmm. they don't really know you like that. Right, because you sort of been gone for so long, and uh, these think, second, third cousins you talking about? Huh? You, know how, you know, how you know how we are. We got second, third, second, third cousins, <laughs> but but even cousins, but even some of them. Like I grew up going to my family reunions. You know what I mean? So some of my like closest cousins, you know, that we grew up with. Yeah, I've just been gone for so long that you know you still keep in contact. Everybody sort of has their life going on now, but. Uh, just life change yeah. so fast. And I really cherish the moments when I get a chance to be, you know, around my family. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously we're going to, well, hopefully we get into it because this this interview can go anywhere. Uh-oh. Uh, sh wait, shout out to, uh, what are we drinking right here, brother? This is uh, this yours yeah, right here. Yeah, we drinking uh, this your, this your rose. Lafette Rosé. Yeah, a little Lafette Rosé. It's in here somewhere. Yeah, enjoy that, my good brother. Oh, thank you, man. Yes, I appreciate sir. it. You in the wine business now? Yeah. Mm. How you hold it? Because I hold mine like this. Real, real, real bougie like. Depends on where I'm at. Oh, okay. When you went to Aspen Food and Wine, how you... Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Um, your brother, CJ, big bro. Yeah. Now, I didn't know this, once again, because I met CJ at a certain time in life. <laughs> he didn't look like he was... Uh, <laughs> he didn't look like he was hey, nice at, the, at basketball. Hey. But I heard that CJ 
was actually really nice. Did you like, did you want to be like big bro growing up? Yeah, I did. Cause, um, well, I was better in football than CJ was in football, but in basketball, CJ was nice. And this is the funny part about it too, is depending on what your game was like when you hooped determines whether or not that game ages. Okay. Right. Okay. So, if you was super duper athletic and that was only your game, as you get older, that might not age mm-hmm. always. You know what I'm saying? Into like your 40s and 50s and stuff. CJ could shoot. So it's funny even now, like people will see CJ and be talking crazy to him. Like, mm. man, like AJ. AJ always talking crazy to CJ. Lil Chris always talking crazy. CJ can shoot the hell out the ball, right? He might not be able to run up and down the court no more, <laughs> but, but he, he can, can still shoot, shoot the hell out the ball. And so CJ played four years of varsity. Basketball. I played two years at JV. So mm. he was always wow. who I looked up to. And me and CJ only got a chance to play 15 seconds together in a game. What? Yeah. So my, my freshman year, I got moved up to varsity for the holiday Christmas tournament. Right? But the championship game, CJ fouled out. So I got to go in. Right? So we didn't get to play together. Then my sophomore year, I got moved up to varsity. We was playing Grimsley. That's crazy. I remember that. We was playing against Grimsley, and coach put me in 15 seconds. That was it. Me and CJ, 15 seconds. Y'all got the video? Of the, y'all got pictures? I know of- my daddy got it somewhere. They got, <laughs> you got a photo of y'all yeah, on the court. photos, videos. And then my sophomore year in college, we played against CJ. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. So what college did CJ go to? CJ played his freshman year at Hampton University. Okay. And then he transferred to University of South Carolina Upstate since Spartanburg. That's the college that Tory Craig went to. Okay. So my sophomore year, we played CJ them in a preseason game. Talk to me. What happened? Ooh, we. <laughs> <laughs> the game was in Winston. We played at Wake Forest. Okay. And... Uh, my whole family was at the game with, you know, my mom and them had T-shirts made, hats made, said Paul Ball on it, you know, and we beat their ass. <laughs> 102 to 57. Mm. Yeah, I got my first dunk in college in that game, too. So, wait, did you get to match up with him? Like- yeah, so we started the game. I was guarding him. He was guarding me. Man, boy, had about three fouls five minutes into the game. Man, go sit down somewhere. He, he took it go back to the playground. Yeah. All that hacking he was doing in the backyard, because when we was growing up, when I finally <laughs> did get to where I could beat him in one-on-one, say yeah. we was playing the 10, if I got nine, now he just... He's used his strength. Debo. He just yeah. backed me down, and then we started fighting. Now we got to get our butts whooped. Now everybody on punishment. It's just, as you can see, it's just spiraling. So to... And like I said, we're going to get hopefully more into it, but to have that big brother, to have him on this journey with you, you know, throughout obviously your whole life, but really in this NBA journey throughout your entire career, right by your side. When you see CP, you see (laughs) CJ. How has that been? How comforting has that been? Man, it's funny because I don't talk about it too much um, just because I couldn't imagine not having it, right? And I realize how blessed and lucky I am and fortunate because to be in this business for so long and in sports or whatnot, we we have sort of chosen family, right? Like for people sure. who uh, maybe work with us or whatnot, but become family, you know what I mean? Like Lisa, Bob, Carmen, everybody, like we've all been together so long that we become family, but it's nothing like having my brother, right? My brother who seen everything, I mean, everything. And it's crazy because growing up, 
just like any other sibling. We fought. We did all that. We fought over the front seat and all this stuff. But we, <laughs> we, we really got close when he went away to college. When CJ went away to college, I cried. <laughs> like, I cried, like, real tears. We was in my mama's minivan riding back from Hampton. And I just realized, like, it's now, your best friend. Straight up. I ain't got nobody to play the video games with. Yeah. Going, going outside in the backyard is just shoot, is shooting. It's just different when I ain't got somebody to play one-on-one with. Yeah. So to get into the NBA and everything that we done learned or know now, we done did together. That first day in the NBA, like when I got drafted that night, like we got drafted. You know what I mean? And so still to this day, like it's people who might have like been in my brother's class and his grade or something. And maybe we go home, we somewhere, and that person or something will come up and say, what's up to me? And I'll be like, you was tripping. You know my brother. <laughs> you oh. don't know me. You feel me? Like, don't ever try to acknowledge me without acknowledging my brother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because through the business, through all of this stuff, he know this game, right? You might see him, not, not know that he used to hoop or whatnot, but my brother is... I mean, last night, our team was playing in Utah. CJ texted me. We talking about what the team doing and all that. And that ain't never changed. Now, walking into, because you guys are business partners at the same time. Mm-hmm. How was that early on? Ooh, walking into here. rooms. Well, even just the, the walking into a room with your brother, right? The mm-hmm. respect that had to be built. Right? Because when someone see you come in the room, they like, oh, this is easy money. He got his brother with him. They don't know this business. Now, first and foremost, you had to get him to the room. Right? <laughs> I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Talk like, to straight me. up. Now, that's, that's my brother. But <laughs> it's cool because you get to a point where you can have them conversations. And we laugh about it now. But you know what it's like. So when I got drafted to Oklahoma, to New Orleans, the Katrina happens, we go to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So me and CJ was uh, roommates. Right? So we we lived together. We had a little house that we rented, $750 a month. Yeah, Oklahoma was good to us. <laughs> Man. <laughs> it's a little different in the Bay right now. <laughs> but uh, it's crazy because you know you getting up early to go to practice, right? And, well, I was about ready to kill my brother because I would get up and go to practice, come home from practice, his ass he still, still ain't up. He still sleep. He still oh, ain't up. man, my brothers did the oh, same man. thing. I used to be so mad at CJ. I'd be, I'd be like, see, they hooping up the street, dog. You, at least go hoop. Go do something. Go do something. So um, early is this, this sort of learning curve, but it probably had to be different for him too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, Because we, we trying to figure all this stuff out, right? Because you like, yeah, be my business manager. Well, he probably like, you got to have some business first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like straight up, straight up. And... I couldn't imagine going through that process <laughs> with with anybody else. Oh, man. Right? So the things that I didn't know, Ugh. anytime we went in the rooms, we was learning. And, and I tell you, D, and it's so crazy, over all these years, there have been many a times where people have even came to me and been like, hey, man, I can do a better job for you than your brother. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Or like, hey, man, look, this could take off, you know what I'm saying? But I need you to... I need you to you're going to have to fire your brother. Now, listen here. <laughs> Let me tell you what's not going to happen. Talk to him. Now, we get into it. We will argue. We will do all of these things. But at the end of the day, after all of this, that's going to be there. Right? My brother is smart, intelligent, all of the things. So if there's something that he's not doing well, we're going to learn it. We're going to learn it. We're going to fix it. Because this ain't just one of the homies that I'm about to kick to the curb. This is my brother. You know, my only one. And so... uh 
I think that's something that I'm probably most proud of. And when I see my parents and my dad is very emotional, every time something happens or it's an event, it's a birthday, anything like that, my dad, I can see it in him. My brother turned 40 last year and we did a birthday party for him in LA and my dad couldn't keep it together, right? He just can't ever keep it together. But I get it because through all of this stuff, we still together. Still together. You know, the mm -hmm. fights, the all of this, like the fact that he get a chance to see, you know, his two sons still always together. I think that's Y'all got dope. each other back no matter what. Straight up. Yeah, and as a parent, that's what you want. You want your kids to have each other, you know what I mean? No matter what, because the world is gonna try to tell you apart. No question. Yeah, yeah, I bet you that's amazing. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Wade today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Wade. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to the draft. So, fourth pick in the draft. Yep. Was that where you thought you was going? Talk to me about your draft journey. How did you get to fourth pick? Was that like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm the fourth pick? Or, man, how did, who, how did he pick them three over me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because, um, so I spent my entire uh, pre-draft in D.C. Mm -hmm. I was working out with a guy named Edan Ravine. They used I remember, to work yeah, out, yeah, I Edan, Edan, yeah. used to work out uh, Mello. Uh, that's when I used to work out with Gilbert mm -hmm. uh, Arenas every now and then. But um, the draft, it was crazy, man, because at the time, Milwaukee had the number one pick, right? The Hawks had the number two pick. Mm. Um, oh, I remember this now, yes. I think Portland had the three pick or whatnot. Uh, New Orleans had the fourth pick. Charlotte had number five, right? Charlotte had five and 12. 
right? They had the number five pick and the 12th pick. So what happened was Atlanta needed a point guard, right? Atlanta mm-hmm. needed a point guard. So I'm in a draft and I'm like, man, Atlanta, that'd be nice because, you know, it's this part of me that want to stay home, but then, you know, it's like, ah, maybe I don't need to be home. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just a little bit too close. It looked good. Yeah. It, when you think about it, ooh. Jada was at UNC Charlotte, right? I was thinking about, okay, I want to be drafted to Charlotte. Uh, not nah, Atlanta would have been close enough to home, but not at home. Right. So, man, I go work out. Who was my first workout? I don't know. I worked out for a couple teams. I only worked out for a couple teams. I worked out for the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's Gilbert worked out with me when I worked out for the Bucks. It wasn't like at the Bucks facility. They came to watch watch me in DC. And I do this whole workout and I'm killing it. And after it's at the end, the GM for the Bucks said, Yeah, that was a great workout. Uh TJ Ford will be back next season. So uh yeah, we we well, would you come watch me work out for right, you? You're telling me I ain't even got a chance. Right? Yeah. So that was that. So then who did I work out for? I went and worked out for Charlotte. And this was um, a crazy workout because did you work out against a lot of people? Yeah, I had like about three other guys in a lot of my workouts. In your workouts? Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're a top pick, your agents don't let you work out against people. Yeah, I wasn't supposed to be a top pick. Right. Way to go, boy. <laughs> Do your thing. Feel me? Talk that talk. Yeah, but it's about you. <laughs> <laughs> so look, so look. I'm just going to insert my... So look, I'm, I'm in Charlotte. I'm in Charlotte. Uh, I go downstairs to get in the limo, right? Back then, it wasn't escalated limos. <laughs> so I get in the limo to go to my workout for Charlotte, and I open the door, and Tony Douglas is in there. Okay. Right? And so I knew Tony already. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was. I played with Tony. Shout out to Tony. Oh, for real? Yeah, I played yeah, with Tony. Yeah, Tony, real good dude. Yeah, man. real I know good his brother dude. Harry, man. And his dad used to do an AAU tournament in Atlanta. But I opened up the door and he in there. I'm supposed to work out by myself. So I called my agent. I called Lance. I said, Yo, Lance, such and such in the car. Uh, Lance was like, just like he was like, get out the car. They know you're supposed to work out by yourself. I said, man, hell nah. I've been working out every day by myself yeah. with Edan. I want to work out against somebody else. I want some smoke. Man, I went, in, I went in there and it was a good workout. <laughs> it was a good workout. So after the workout, they take me into an office, like a bunch of people with Charlotte. They mm-hmm. take me into an office and they sit me there and they was like, what you hearing about the draft? I was like, well, y'all got the fifth pick and the 12th pick. If y'all want me, y'all need to trade those two picks and trade up to get me. This you. You said this. It's me. I told him that, you know, because I was like, I knew I wasn't going to drop to five, Right. Dang. So it's a different draft process than I had. Yeah, Man, yeah, you, yeah. You yeah. in there like that? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna yeah, because I I I was hooping. I was hooping. So then I go work out for the Hawks, right? And this is supposed to be my last workout. Cause you know, when you got all them workouts, whatever, you like, man, I ain't been home in forever. I've been staying in DC. I'm about to work out for the Hawks and I'm going back home. Yeah, then, your, three, your three workouts is like, y'all get it. Go ahead. <laughs> so and because I'm excited about going home because now, too, I'm basically in the NBA and I'm going home, right? You know, this that's a different type of love. Yeah, that's you over there yeah, cheating. yeah, but you took so, me back. I started yeah. smiling. So I work out for the Hawks against uh, Aaron Miles. Aaron Miles. Mm. Aaron Miles is assistant coach with New Orleans now. Okay. He played at Kansas. Okay. Right? Oh, yeah, Aaron Miles. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. So kill that workout. I just know I'm going to the Hawks. 
No, I'm going to the Hawks. Man, New Orleans called that night while I'm at the hotel. They called my agent. My agent said I needed to come to, uh, dang, it's crazy, New Orleans. My agent said, you got to go to New Orleans to work out for them tomorrow. And I was like, I ain't doing that because they got the number four pick, right? I was like, if I drop that low, then I'd rather go five to Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. They said, you better come here and work out for us or we're going to pick you anyway. Mm. Right? So I ended up flying up there, right? Because I'd never been to New Orleans. Didn't know nothing about them. They went 18 and 64. So I was like, if you, if I'm going to go four, I'd rather go five and stay home. I flew up there. You know, I usually get, you go the night before and stay the night. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. I just flew up there. The day of. The day of. <laughs> uh, they picked me up. Uh, B. Scott and this guy named Alan Bristow, who was the GM, they took me to TGI Fridays, sat in them little tall tables. You know what I mean? You know, the little den. <laughs> <laughs> then, I, then I went and worked out. And you you know, heard like people say they like throw a workout, like try to miss shots. And I, I don't know how to do that. So right. I did the yeah, workout. That's, that's not crazy to me, though. I killed, I killed the workout and uh, got Big Shot, who still worked for the team. He, he was taking me to the airport. And I just said, Can I see Bourbon Street right quick? <laughs> he took me seeing Bourbon Street and I went to the airport. Right? Mm-hmm. So all of that happened. Draft night come. I'm sitting there. You still think you're going number two to the Hawks? In your mind, possibly? I'm hoping. You're hoping you're I'm going hoping. to? Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm thinking, you know, they need a guard. Right. They already got, like, Josh Smith. I think they had got... That's right. Was, um, Joe, Joe, was Joe there? Yeah, they Joe Johnson Joe. was there. They had um, Childress, I think, too. Yep. They had yep, all they these wings. Childress, yep. They had all these wings. And Marvin so, Harris? So, that's, that's the part same of the draft. story. Ooh. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. That, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Marvin Williams. There you go. It's football. I went football. My bad. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm at the draft. Utah ended up trading up, getting the three pick. They got the third pick. That's right. They traded Portland, I think it was. So first pick of the draft was Andrew Bogut. So now we have to draft Seven everybody. Pick. They say number two pick, the Atlanta Hawks. I start getting up. Like literally, like I just knew, because I'm going to tell you this, the basketballs that I was working out with was Atlanta Hawks basketballs. Right? I knew I was going to the Hawks. You was wearing the gear and everything? Basically. I found a house and all that. Mm. I thought I was going to the Hawks. They said, Marvin Williams. I was like, oh, oh, man. So then they said, number three pick, Utah Jazz. No offense to y'all, but I had my fingers crossed. Don't say my name. <laughs> Please don't, don't do say that, my don't name. Don't do that to us. Don't, don't do that, on my, don't do that oh, on my podcast. Oh, no. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't do that on my podcast, bro. Just move on to the story. All right? It was then. It was then. That was too, that was too far west for me, man. I'm East Coast. What, yeah. what you want me? Out there? No, that's out. That's out. So then they say, now it's coming to the fourth pick. Now, mind you, I forgot to tell you this part of the story. When I went to go eat at Fridays with B. Scott, them, and B. Scott is my man, like, all day long. I'm not where I'm at without B. Scott, you know? So that was my first time meeting him when I went to eat with him. And he was like, yeah, uh, what you thinking? I told him straight up. I was honest with him because he was like, they said you, you didn't want to come work out. I was like, look, no disrespect, but I'm from North Carolina. I'd rather go to right. Charlotte or whatnot. So night of the draft, they said the number four pick, the New Orleans Hornets, they said my name, right? So, But when I tell this story, people be like, damn, would you like, damn? No. This was still a life-changing right. experience. So I was so excited. My family, we was going crazy, crying, you hugging. 
And I went right to the back and uh, I called B. Scott and he was like, your workout was just too good. I couldn't pass up, couldn't pass up on you. Yeah. Wait, so you got, let's go back to the second pick in the draft moment. So you got out the, so you didn't, you didn't like, when I got drafted, I was told right before the pick that I was going fifth. So I, I had about 20 seconds to kind of get my get myself together. Oh, no yeah, one nah. said anything to you about... Nah, hmm. I really thought I had a chance to go to the Hawks. Yeah. I got to go back and watch that draft because I want to see you get up a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they ain't had, I'm sure they ain't had a game. You know that little um, move? Yeah, that little... Because it was... I don't know. It, it was, like I said, close enough to home, but it ended up being the best thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? What they always say... Uh, try to make plans and, you know, God will show you. Yeah. You know, so, it, and then I got drafted and Katrina happened. And then you spent your first season in OKC. First two years. First two years first in two OKC. First two years in Wait, Oklahoma. Well, I remember coming up that plan, you guys, the crowds was insane. Unbelievable. It was like y'all home court advantage at OKC was crazy. We've never been, I've never been to OKC before. Mm -hmm. And like y'all was rocking up there to the point when y'all left, I was like, man, they, they had a little home court advantage up there. They might should have stayed. And we went back to New Orleans, and it was cracking. It was cracking. <laughs> it was cracking. Because that was that 07, 08 year when uh, the All-Star game was there and all that. It was, the Saints was nice. It was crazy. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. I'm going to throw it to Bob. I know we talked about, like, the the draft and you getting drafted, but, like, what was it like playing at home for college? No, you playing, you playing with Wake Forest and your family can come see you right up the street. Yeah, so when I went to college, it was interesting because 
NC State, Herb Sendak was the coach at NC State, and they had recruited me. And they had told me that I could come there and they, I would start right from the jump, right? They said they'd put the ball in my hands. I ain't got to compete for a starting position. I ended up going to Wake, who already had some really good guards, some mm -hmm. great guards in Teron Downey mm -hmm. and Justin Gray. Justin Gray, right? yes, sir. And so they were the starting backcourt. And I always tell people this crazy story of I wasn't supposed to start, right? Like I was, I came in as a freshman. Uh, Jay Gray was a sophomore. Downey was a junior. And I wasn't supposed to start. A week and a half before our first game, TD Teron had appendicitis or whatnot, right? His appendix had, had uh, ruptured or whatnot. So he had to go into the hospital. So I started being with the first team at practice. He came back maybe a day or two before our first game at Madison Square Garden against Memphis. And they had a point guard, Antonio Burks. But because he had missed like a week, coach said he wanted me to start, right? And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, and Downey is super duper nice, super duper nice, but coach said that he wanted me to start. I'm nervous as hell, and it's crazy. Like, I remember everything about Doris Burke did that game, or whatever, it was at Madison Square Garden. And I, I ended up having a good game, and we won. Second game came, coach said, we won the first one, start. You know, so mm. I don't know what would have happened had that not happened, but playing at home was different. I was different, and that's why my first time leaving home was going to the NBA. My family rolled deep, you know. So imagine every college game, my whole crew. I already know. Uh, mm. Deep, mm. deep, every game. Then I started dating Jada. I'll never forget that, that type of pressure. Cause and you and Jada met where? We met, uh, we went to rival high schools. Okay, so yeah. Mm. yeah, we went to rival high schools. So it was during Christmas break of my freshman year in college. So okay. our first time meeting all my family was at a game, but I couldn't take her to meet her. <laughs> so she came to the game with all my crew and all my family over there. I just had to see her after the game. I was, <laughs> I was just glad that I did see her after the game and they hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't leave early. Cause she like, I don't want no, no positive. <laughs> Listen, my aunt Rhonda, AJ and Koya mama, yeah. she don't play. She don't play about us. So the first time that I got an opportunity to hear about Chris Paul, um, I have two, not two first times, but before the NBA, it was two moments that I heard about you. The first one was a 61-point game, and we want to get into that. Uh, I know you just came out with a book. Shout out to, you know, 61. Um, it was a 61-point game, and then it was a game versus NC State. Mm. We'll talk about that. <laughs> well, let's go with the 61-point game first. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, I've written two books mm -hmm. and my first book was about my life. So it was very personal. And then going through that journey for me, it was like therapy, right? Going back and talking about my life and talking about the hardship. And, you know, you sat down recently and wrote your book, 61, talking about, you know, your grandfather. Share with me about one, that game. Um, I know you talked about it before, but also about this journey of writing, you know, this book and letting some personal go out to the world like that. Yeah, um, man, it was tough. It was really tough to to write the book because a lot, like you said earlier, when you talked about your Hall of Fame speech, I remember like just sitting there, I could damn near recite part of it because I was so locked in on everything that you were saying, you know, and a lot of times your family members are going through these experiences with you and 
you're saying some things, but some things go unsaid. All right, so through writing this book, it was somewhat like I had messages all through my book to some of my family members, some of them to my parents, some of them to my brother or whatnot, because it was about the relationship with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. But through the process, I realized that the night that my grandfather was killed, I know what I saw through my lens, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the heartache and everything that everybody felt through this, I remember getting on the phone, writing a book, and I was on the phone with my mom now, I was on the phone with my brother, and I was like, you, because when you're dealing with it in real time, you're not asking these questions. So I realized all this time then went by, and I was like, yo, see what you was doing when you found out? Like, mom, how did, how did you find out? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These like questions that you don't ever ask. So I know what my experience was because I was at a football game. I was at a high school football game. First of all, for anybody who don't know, November 14, 2002, I signed my letter of intent to go to Wake Forest. You know, that's like a big deal. So all my people at my high school, my grandfather was there and my grandfather had the first black-owned service station in North Carolina. It was a Chevron. And that's where I worked at every summer. So my granddad came over to the gym. CJ drove back from college, this big little event at our uh, high school. And when I signed on the dotted line, my grandfather took a Wake Forest hat off and he put his hat on me and gave it to me. So then that night, Wake Forest had an exhibition game. You remember like how people used to play against athletes in action and all that? Mm -hmm. So me and my granddad went to the game, and that's still so crazy to me because CJ went back to school. My parents must have went home, and it was just me and my granddad. Mm. And it's just crazy how the universe works. That night, just me and him went to uh, the game. After the game, my papa took me home, and I never knew that would have been the last time I saw him. Time you saw him. So November 15th, I'm at our high school football game, and CJ calls me. And I'm very visual or whatnot. And I'm in the crowd and I'm like, yo, what up? And he was like, yo, I'm on, I'm on my way back home. And I said, what you mean you on your way back home? You just got back to school. It's like a three, four hour drive. He was like, mama said, papa sick. I said, hold up. I, what you mean papa sick? You're just with him. I was just with him the day before. So I started walking out to where my car was. And that's when I see one of my cousins who grabbed me. And the first thing he said is they killed him. And so I started tripping. And like I said, man, I, I remember the Jays I had on, right? I had the Jordans on. They got the copper on the back. They got the little snake skin on them. And I remember kicking a fence and put this big scuff in them and um, riding over to my granddad's house. Um, I remember in the car, I was like hyperventilating. So I took my shirt off. And so we get to my granddad's exit because he lived probably about 20 minutes away and we get off the exit and turn onto the street. And it's, it's for real like a movie. Like you just see all the lights. And I just jumped out the car and started running down the street or whatnot. And I could see- Because at that moment it became, it was real at that yeah, moment. Yeah, it's real. And it was just like drizzling a little bit and it's like yellow tape pulled everywhere. And I can't like unsee this, you know what I'm saying? And so my uncle was actually a police officer and um, he was there and one of my dad's brothers, they like stopped me before I could get to my granddad's house and all I could see was a tarp, you know what I mean? And then I just, I don't know, like writing the book, started talking to my brother. My brother thought he was coming back home 
he didn't know until he so got he really thought he was sick he wasn't just saying that to you exactly so my mom to find out my mom called one of my brother's teammates and i guess told him so that he could drive my brother right so cj didn't have to drive himself you know what i mean and so my mom you know i found out my mom was on the phone with my granddad he walked in the house said let me call you right back i'm gonna go get the groceries out the car and that's that's when it happened so you start finding everybody else's, finding out everybody else's story, and I don't know, it's just crazy. Writing a book, boy, and yeah. then did you did you do the audio book? I didn't do it, <clears throat> man. I did the audio book for for my book, and that was I was a whole mess. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, and it. it I mean, right of, now, I just I just <laughs> it's just emotional sitting here. Yeah, and I think what it was, it was crazy because um, to get through it and talk, like it's one thing to you know, write things, but when you have to say it and talk it, it took me a while to do the audio book because mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's pretty emotional. Well, you're reliving it. Yeah. You're yeah. Reliving it was for real, like it. therapy. Yeah. Writing a book was like therapy. Yeah, that's what, you know, and th that's the one thing I do know, like you go, you're going back through all, you know, these moments that you're talking about, which you're going, you're sharing them because you, you know, you want to, whether it's for your family or whether it's for other families or, you know, whatever reason you decided to write the book, but it's, it's therapy in real time. Like I was crying through the process of writing, writing my book, thinking about, you know, the, you know, the things that I was talking about that was, you know, obviously, you know, private, but, you know, hurt me in, in so many ways. So, you know, what really happened is like your kids, um, like, man, even, even for me, knowing you as long as I've known you and to see that exchange with your dad at the Hall of Fame, because I know you and your mom, you know what I mean? I know Tregill and everything, but I know how much you love and care about your mom. And to see that love you showed your dad, just to see the smile on his face, yeah, you know? And so it always makes me think about things because with my kids, they are getting older and they've been getting older. But since they were little, they've always known the story of me and my grandfather, right? But what happened- From you or- Just from, from me, from- pictures or just our stories or whatnot, because kids, you know, they start asking questions. They be like, Nana, where's your mom and dad? You know? And so you explain those things. And so Chris would see a picture of my granddad or they paying attention even when you think they're not. So maybe even like at five years old, he might be in an interview and hear me talking about my granddad. So my dad is the keeper of all things. He's a hoarder. That's where I get it from, right? But mm -hmm. my dad used to video everything. Last season, my dad sent some DVDs out to me in Phoenix. He had took them from VHS tapes and put them on DVDs. And I popped them in to see some of them, some of my old high school games. He got some of my Pop Warner football games from when I was little. And then I put one in and then I seen it. It was like at a birthday party. It was a birthday party, right? So... This wouldn't fly this day and age, but it was one of them big cameras sitting in the back of a party, and it's just everybody walking by talking. You can hear everything everybody's saying. <laughs> oh, that would not go over. <laughs> that would not go over nowadays. <laughs> but seriously, for a three-hour party, the yeah, camera just sitting there, just getting everything, mm -hmm. getting everything. And so Ooh, they're talking stuff and yeah. about people, people talking about each other at the party. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh man, because this is like a little place where we used to have events at. And so I'm looking at it. I'm like, dang, what's going on? Because we used to do that for all the time, all the time. Somebody's birthday or anniversary, we get together. So I'm watching it. I'm watching it. 
And so then I started fast forwarding or something like that. And so then all of a sudden, I see everybody start getting quiet, right? Because it's like a surprise party. And in walks my granddad, right? My grandfather walked in in this video and everybody was like, surprise. And it was my granddad's 60th birthday. Mind you, he died at 61. So I'm watching this and I'm like having goosebumps and all this because I hadn't heard my granddad's voice since he died. Man, I'm watching it. Anytime you watch a video, I'm like, where am I? You know what I'm saying? Where am I? Where am I? And my mom stands up, gives like a happy birthday dad and all this stuff. My Aunt Rhonda does it. Some of the people from the church. And then, especially because I used to be with my granddad all the time, I was like, I was probably in the car with him to ride with him to surprise him. But I keep looking at this video and I don't see me. So CJ stands up and gives his speech. And CJ is talking and he's talking, and then during CJ's speech, he said, like, I'm the oldest grandchild. And then he said, and I know Chris would say this if he was here. Man, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I, I burst out crying, right? Because I was like, where was I? I called my, I took a video of this and put it in my family group chat. And I didn't realize that Jada, as my wife, had never heard my granddad's voice. My kids had never heard my granddad's voice. And I didn't mean to put my mom on that emotional roller coaster because she hadn't heard his voice voice in so long. But um, it just showed me how much um, I sort of missed, right? Like over all these years and playing this game. Yeah. You know, we used to talk about it when we were still playing. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that I battle with now. As much as I love to play this game and provide, we just constantly miss 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 things. And so, it shows you how precious moments are. Boy. Yeah. Boy. But just remembering to have people, because I let little Chris them here, and he was like kind of tripping. He was like, man, I done heard about him all the time. But to actually see him is, is different. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, 
Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Now, how do you go perform? Like, I know you love the game, and I know that becomes our sanctuary as athletes. And so I understand wanting to go to your sanctuary place, your place of, you know, of joy and all the things that the sport brings you. But how do you go perform? And how do you perform at the level where you score 61 points? What was the most you ever scored before that? 36. Okay. Man, honestly, I, I don't know. Um, it was... It was crazy. And it's like, I was super duper nice then. But um, it's crazy to think about. I was 17. I'm 38 now. And I think about how much has like transpired since then. But like my granddad was for real my best friend, right? My best friend. Because I talked about how when CJ left school, you know, I... I mean, I had my homies, don't get me wrong, but it was a different type of love from my granddad. Yeah, for sure. Right, because my grandmother had died from lung cancer when I was eight. And so my my granddad was like everything for my family. He was just like, if I wanted shoes, if I wanted something, papa. You ain't go ask my mom and daddy because they gonna, they gonna <laughs> tell me why they can't do it. Right. right? So if I know if I go ask papa... Right. <laughs> Papa, listen, I knew Papa had the money for it. Right. He's going to make me work for it, but I knew that he had it. Right. And it's crazy because I'm processing all that now. Yeah. You know, because Papa, I'd be like, you got to come work at the service station. I'd be like, dang, dang, dang. All right, all right, I'd do it. But I knew Papa had the means to do it. So you know you can get the shoes. You just I knew it. I could you don't have to do something to get yeah, it. Yeah. My granddad would let me drive. He had, he had a Lincoln. Right. My granddad had this long the Lincoln long car. Joint. And it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, my parents, they was doing what they could. They had, like, regular cars. Well, But my, my granddaddy, you could unlock his car by pressing buttons. You know what I'm saying? Like, my granddaddy had a cell phone in his car, one of them big, the bag, the big joint. You know what I'm saying? So now that I think about it, my granddaddy was doing it. He was doing it. He was doing it. Papa was doing it, baby. He was doing it. And I knew, I knew I could go to the service station. And he used to wear a shirt tucked in, too, didn't he? What? Every tuck time. It, tuck it all the way in, in with a belt. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> it's clean. <laughs> my papa, he was a little bit taller. He like, he owned the service station. So if I wanted, you know, some Welch's, you know, some some snacks, just go over there to Papa. Whatever, yeah. whatever. And so like losing him was a big deal. And I just wanted to, like I said, my kids now to see how they are with my parents. My parents, I don't know them. I don't know who them people is. Mm -hmm. Because the way they be loving and all that on my kids, I don't know y'all. <laughs> I don't know y'all. Now, they loved me and CJ, but they was so hard on us. Mm -hmm. Right? But Imposters. But, but <laughs> no, straight up. Straight up. But I'm telling you, and I know you know this too, um, sometimes I literally sit and watch it. Right? I literally sit and watch, and I just be like, man, I'm so grateful for that. Because... I check my parents on it sometimes too. Right, because right, they they soft as the other side of the pillow. What? What you should have seen when little Chris was like maybe like seven or something like that. He was in the backyard shooting, bricking everything. I mean, couldn't make a <laughs> shot. 
And my mama was sitting out there. Good job, baby. I looked at her. I said, what is wrong with you? He trying to, don't, don't gas him up like that. <laughs> don't do that. And she was looking at me like, what? What? I said, don't you do that. Don't do that. But I get it too. It's, it's, it's necessary. Because when my parents would get on me and CJ, Papa, Papa. You know, so it's a different type of love. And so I watched the way my my dad, especially, you know, would with the kids and my mom, like it's necessary. But I will check them with the quickness too. Like, I right, love on them, but you can't be hard on them too. Yeah. So tell me how you performed. Man. Like, was it out of body? No question. Like, do you remember it? Like, was it one of the moments you, after the game, you just sitting there like, what just happened? Yeah, so I was scoring crazy. I was scoring, I was scoring. And you're not a selfish player, so you never tried to score. Right, 50, and 60. I used to just steal the ball all the time. The only person that knew that I was even thinking about doing this was my backcourt mate, dude named David Gillette. My parents didn't know, but the game was packed. By this time, every high school game that I played, the, the, the crowd was packed. And so I'm in the game, I'm scoring, I'm scoring, sort of get wind of how many I got. I don't even remember how I was keeping track, but... Oh, we can keep track of our points now. I know, I you know. You know we can keep track of our buckets now. You know what's so funny is I, and I mean this for real, I never did. I, I be so locked into the game for real that, like, for most of my career, I never knew how many, how many points, points I had, yeah. you know? But in this game, when I got to 57, then I got to 59. So when I got 59, I remember this so clearly. I remember getting the ball on the left side of the court, and I sort of, slanted, cut across the court, and sort of did like an in and out, and I shot a floater, and I got fouled. So that gave me 61, and I just... You made the book. You I made, made the it. floater. I made yes. the floater. Because I remember seeing you at the free throw line. Yep. That's and what so, I do remember. And so I knew I had 61, and come to find out, after the fact, the state record at the time, I think, was 67 held by MJ. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It was probably, I don't know, four minutes left in the game, which I probably could have caught him. But I just went to the free throw line and I threw the ball out of bounds. And the next thing, my dad was my assistant coach at the time. And I just remember walking off the court, falling into my dad's arms just because, mm -hmm. yeah, man, like that was a big hit for our whole city, for everybody, yeah. like losing my granddad. And it just. Do you feel like, did you feel like the crowd kind of started to know what was going on? Like. As you was getting closer to 61, do you think anybody? Yeah, if you look at the footage from it, you can see people sort of start whispering, start whispering or whatnot. And when I hit 61, the whole place went nuts. It went crazy. And so uh, I still got that ball. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, you know, one, two, it's crazy how life works. Because I remember, I don't know how, but I remember seeing that, that moment, not knowing that we would be, you know, life friends later in life. But I remember seeing that moment and I remember seeing you at the free throw line and it's very, you don't see someone go to the free throw line and not try to make the free throws. And so I remember seeing that and that kind of got into the story. And I thought, you know, obviously like how incredible that was and then hearing about the story, but not knowing that later in life, like, you know, we'd be here. And so that was my first moment of getting a chance to know who Chris Paul was. And that's a hell of a moment to get a chance to know the person um, because one, you didn't make it about you, right? You took a moment that you had and you made it about your family, you made it about your pawpaw and oh, no. it was bigger than you. And so like that for me, I was like, oh, that's a, <laughs> I knew I knew who you were right there. Man, I appreciate that. Um, hell of a shift to this next one though. 
Well, before we shift, let me let me let me let me make something about me. Let me make something about talk me. Talk to me, baby. Talk to me. Just let me know who I need to talk to about the naming rights of this podcast. The why? Yeah. What you got something with the why? Man, I've been calling you Dwayne Wade for I don't know how long. Really? What? Man, listen. Well, I ain't never heard you. What? Listen, let me tell you this because. Because of the way my name's spelled? What? Absolutely. I don't know how long I'd known you until I finally seen your name. Well, I used you... to tell people, I used to tell people all the time they were spelling it wrong. <laughs> I used to tell people, I'd be like, oh, you, you messed it. The Y-A-N. Like, no. oh, yeah, because oh listen, man, when That's... I seen the name of this, I was like, the Y, I was. Actuator, I used to say that all the time. People used to write your name on stuff, and I'd be like, "No, y'all ain't, y'all ain't spell that right." They'd be like, "No, it's spelled it's not like Dwayne. that right here." It's not, it's not really Dwayne, right? Like, my, yeah. So I don't know why you name call yourself. Well, that. I'm the junior. So I, what is your name? I mean, it can go, what the, is the your Dwayne kind of look kind of <laughs> similar. <laughs> Hold up, what is your name? Dwayne. No, it's not. Well, what my grandma said. Well, tell we're, we're, Granny, we gotta talk. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta talk. No, I, I'm I with you. Because when I seen the name I, of the I'm podcast, I was this. like, yes, because the world needs to know you've been spelling this wrong the whole time. <laughs> you've been spelling. Dwayne is normally spelled D W A Y N E, and I understand. Normally. Yeah, normally. <laughs> <laughs> Every time except for once. <laughs> Or well, maybe twice because you're the junior. Well, twice because I'm a junior. Because you're the junior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, you're right. Oh, but my God. obviously, it became a great once the team put it together. Like, I, I did it. I loved it too. Just like you probably seen it and loved it. I loved it too. Because oh, I was like, that's it. That's what I've been trying to find my whole life. Like, what does my name mean? Why? Yeah. That is exactly why. why. That is perfect. That is perfect. The why Yang. That is perfect. I love it. So, what you think you're supposed to get credit because you've been saying it it to Jada? You ain't said it to me. Don't worry about it. I get the check. Don't worry about it. We're good. We'll work on it. (laughs) Tune into the why, (laughs) y'all. The The why Yang. Yang. The why Yang wave. Bro, you never said that to me, though. The why Yang wave. That yeah. is my. That's probably my official name. Everybody, the Y ain't wait. Welcome to the Y. It, it all makes sense. Uh, it took me forty-two years to figure it out. That is funny. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the twenty twenty-four NFL Draft. I'm your host Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto O'Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, before we before we move on to the NBA, which, you know, we obviously want to talk about their career, um, the next time. And, and the reason I say this is because as a young player, you got to learn how to deal with the highs mm-hmm. and you got to learn how to deal with the lows. And so, you know, obviously, hearing about your journey, you had a lot of highs. You were very good at the game of basketball, um, very loved. And then you had to reach, you had to, you reached a low and you had to deal with a low. And so the moment against NC State, I was mm-hmm. watching the game. Mm-hmm. You was watching the game? I was watching the you game. talking about real life? I was watching the game. When that happened? Yeah, I was watching the oh, game. Oh, yeah. This That's what I'm saying. This, this is my this second. This is a real interesting story. That's what I was saying. This is my second time. I was watching the game. You were one, you became, after that moment of seeing you score 61 points, you became one of my favorite players. I wanted to follow you. And so I was watching. It was a big game. NC State, Wake yep. Forest. Yeah. And I loved Julius Hodge. I loved him as a player. I thought I loved this game. And so I was like, oh, I get to watch Chris Paul and Julius mm-hmm. Hodge. Talk to me about the moment. <laughs> what moment did you see? <laughs> well, I mean, I only seen what the camera showed me. So that's why I want you to tell me about the moment. Because I only seen you guys get into an interaction and I saw a little hot. Yeah. Hitting. That's Hitting. what I saw. Now, how did we get there? Yeah, so um, what's crazy is that was my last, that was the last game of the season. Mm. Right? Last game of the regular season. And it was probably, probably one of the toughest things that Basically, I had to deal with mm-hmm. because um, I don't remember what quarter it was, half, whatever, but obviously we was getting into it or whatever. He was talking crazy. And shout out to one of my assistant coaches because uh, my college coach passed away my second year in the league, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Battle. And it's crazy. I don't know if I didn't talk. I might have talked about this one one other time or something like that. But uh, in college, anything goes, right? When I talk about like fans, Right? Oh, yeah. Like, of course, oh, in yeah. NBA, but in college... Anything goes. Anything goes. It they'll write, they'll write your girlfriend's cell phone number Bro. down on a board and hold it up Bro. and start chanting. They did to one of my teammates. So we playing at NC State, and it's a heated game. Your boy, um, he used to talk junk during the game. He's okay. from New York, all that, respect that, all that. He talked junk, elbow, do all this stuff. There's a point in the game where it's free throws going on, and I can hear... Some some students or whatever chant, "I killed your grandfather." Mm. Right. So you think I'm emotional now? I was emotional then. So I'm there on the free throw line, and I look over at one of my coaches, Jeff Battle, who was like, "You all right?" I sort of got tears going down my eyes. Whatever. Me and Julius had been getting into it all game. 
Um, so when I did hit him, right, I hit him. I don't know what point of the game it was, but that was before it's all the reviews and all that stuff, right? So everybody go crazy. Well, he down, whatever the game going on. What was most interesting about it was, uh, you know, today they would go review and all that stuff and you'd be messing around kicked out, mm -hmm. but they didn't have right. all the camera stuff there. Right. All I sort of vaguely remember, I remember, I don't know if it was his family members or something, like came down to the court, you know, like talking like, hey, we're going to do this. And you know why it's so funny? It's one game I played in my whole college career where my family wasn't there. Guess what? That game. It was CJ's senior night. It was CJ's senior night. So my mom, my dad, this was in Raleigh at NC State. That's mm -hmm. an hour and a half away from home. Nobody in my family was at that game. So um, when that happened, all this, whatever. So the end of the game, you remember what happened at the end of the game? Mm -mm. I hit the game winning shot. Mm, see? I hit the game winning shot. So I think we was down one or was tied up. I got to look at it or whatnot. We had to take the ball, length of the court. I take the ball out. I inbound it. I get it back. I do like an in and out, shoot a floater as the time run out. Boom, hit the game winner. We go nuts. Me, Jay Gray, our teammates, you can see us. It's on YouTube. You can see us run over like to the crowd, like to the students talk, that were talking, talking crazy. And we running back to the locker room. And one of my teammates got jacked up by like their athletic director. So then I didn't get suspended till the next day. I remember that. Got suspended the next day or whatnot for a game. And I always hate this because, and it just show you, this, this is how God works too. I got suspended for a game and it was in the ACC tournament. We lose the first game of the ACC tournament. So you know how you, you're trying to see what seeding you get? Mm -hmm. for the, yeah, for the NCAA we ended up getting tournament. a two seed instead of a one seed because we lost the first game of the NCAA tournament. I mean, of the ACC tournament. Right. Guess who, guess who we played the first game of the ACC tournament? NC State. NC State. And I ain't get to play. Mm. And I ain't get to play. So, yeah, that's something that I didn't always thought about and remember in my college career because that right there was like a big deal and it was, we lost. How did you deal, how did you deal with it? Um, At that time, I mean, seven, 17, 18, yeah, 17, 18 years old. It was tough because, um, I don't know, it was somewhat of a different time. Obviously, everybody talking about it on the uh, ESPN, all this different type of stuff, you know. Um, and then I think the hardest part, too, is like I said, my family wasn't there. And, you know, everybody saying, oh, you this, you that, you that. Uh, I think what was crazy was... And this really started dating. When Facebook came out, right, it wasn't but a few schools that had Facebook. And Wake was actually one of them. When I went to the NBA, when I declared for the draft, me and my brother was in D.C. And we got an email, like, through Facebook. We got a, a message from one of the students that was over there in the student sections chanting that. You know what I'm saying? It mm -hmm. said, like, you know, I apologize, this, that, and the third, whatnot. And I, I hate the result of what happened with my team, you know, but do I say, do I regret I did it? No. Cause that's hoop, that's huh? ball. That's how we, that's how you, I'm yeah, saying that's basketball. No, that's how no, we hoop. I definitely don't, but I definitely learned from that experience, but um, that was tough. Yeah. Cause then I'm, I, mean, I had a Steve Harvey suit. <laughs> I had a Steve Harvey suit sitting on the bench 
over there and had to watch us lose to, to NC State. And that was your punishment? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And somebody in this room came up with this. <laughs> I didn't. Thought it was very creative. But I think that was the moment that started the what later became the moments of everybody hate Chris. Oh. Because you've had moments where anything you do, that moment always gets highlighted. 1,000%. It always goes back to that moment. Any instance, any argument, anything that you get into on the court. Every time. It goes back to that Every moment. time. I mean, I even go back to the... You remember the locker room thing? Where yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and I was playing, playing for Houston. Oh, wait. The LA yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. I was playing for Houston in the whole Clipper locker room thing mm-hmm. when they was like, I did this secret tunnel or whatever yeah, and all that yeah. stuff like that. It, it is a little back, it, that it's a little back hallway back that there. That everybody know about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That everybody know about. But it's just, it's always something. It always, yeah. Always. And it, it's like, it follows you, right? For sure. All the good that you do, that, that moment still follows you. It does. And that's why I think you always got to be comfortable with who you are. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's, I mean, I've been involved in a lot of shit, D. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had a fight, got fined, trying to think. It's probably more stuff I'm leaving out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got yeah, your rap sheet. Your rap sheet is like a Christmas list. Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so now, how do you feel, or is there about the narrative, because obviously this is a narrative that's been created still playing in the game 19 years. And like, like D said, it's kind of based from that that moment back when NC State. Like, when you hear the narrative and you see it, like, what one, what does that make you feel like? Or what, is, what do you feel when you see it? And then two, if you can change it, what would you want to do about it? Man, that's a real good question. I don't think you can change that. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. people going to feel how they feel. You, you think about... Um, what I've learned, okay, now I'm thinking about what I said. If you're going to change that, then you got to almost go meet everybody individually, right? And I think I've been in too many situations now where people be like, oh, I thought you was such and such, mm. you know, and, and probably the newest experience has been my my tenure now with the Warriors, right? With me oh, and Draymond. Dre. Yeah, with Draymond. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, by the way, love to sit down, the conversation that y'all had on Dre's show. Yeah, hate is a strong word, and I think it, it's perfect for how we felt about each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've, I've heard that word used a few times with, with your name associated with it. No, nah, straight up. Yeah. yeah. No, no, for real, for I'm real. I'm not bullshitting. And I, and I think I think what happens... <laughs> I think what... <laughs> listen. I'm just listen, saying. No, real talk. And I think, I think what happens is... Um, especially with, with Dre's situation is you don't really know somebody. You know what I mean? Now, there's some people that I've not liked that I didn't met, and I still ain't like they ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for real, yeah. it is. Yeah, big fat. <laughs> but but um, I also know my personality at times can be very, very tough because I definitely have a strong personality. And the thing for me is that I'm going to say it. You know, not necessarily in front of everybody, but if it's some weirdness or some awkwardness going on, let's talk about it. You know, and I don't know. I I just, I don't know. I don't really like weirdo activity, right? And I think it's a lot of times where 
different reasons, whether it's basketball, whether it's the union stuff, whether I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Like somebody will say something to me and expect me not to react. Then what the hell are you talking to me for then? So you're saying you don't start it, but you finish it. You want to use your dollars? You ain't finishing nothing, something like that. It just be all this, this, that, and the third, like talking or whatever. I don't be doing all that, right? Like seriously, I'm... Yeah, man. You... <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be funny. It'd be funny to me too, though, D, because like I say... Get it out, brother. Guys, it out. guys, it out. guys be saying anything. I, I was at a game the other day and I walked up to the, the referees was reviewing something and I was just standing up there like, I'm too old, man. I ain't talking to nobody. Right? And the dude was like, what you up here for? I click out. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, now, I know. Now, yeah. now, now I get to tripping. Yeah. As soon as soon as you do that, because I turned, I said, I looked around, I was like, who was you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he was like, you ain't even playing. What you up here for? Why are we talking? Why are we talking? Yeah. Cause I'm I'm zero to ten real quick. And we play basketball. Everybody be out here acting like a Mike Tyson and all this right. stuff. Like when Just keep it, keep it, keep it <laughs> keep basketball. Keep it hoop. Keep it hoop. Yeah. I mean, ain't a lot of Charles Oakley's walking around this joint. It ain't. Yeah. It ain't. Shout out to Oak. <laughs> and real talk, a lot of that hate sometimes here and there just be, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Shifting gears. So knowing all these relationships that either you do have or you don't have, you were sitting in a very prominent seat in the NBA for a very long time. You were sitting as the president of the NBPA. You are deciding a lot of faith of a lot of these players because a lot of players don't get involved in it. 
A lot of players don't even know what's going on. And we trust our president to handle everything. And so this notion that, oh, I don't like Chris Paul. I hate Chris Paul. Chris Paul is determining a lot of the faith of the players. He's sitting in these meetings. How did you handle that? How did players handle that with you being in that seat as the head man to sit there and speak on behalf of the players? Well, the issue I had with a lot of people in those situations is that people always got something to say, right? They always want to get an opinion, but I would always be like, these meetings and all that are open, right? You can't pick and choose what you want to be a part of if you're not going to put the time in, right? Myself, along with the other eight guys on the executive committee, we put hours, time, like, and it's selfless. Mm -hmm. Like, this, this stuff you don't get paid for, mm -hmm. right? And so... um, I was grateful for all that I got a chance to learn, but the thing that would make me mad probably more than anything, and I would always just channel how, like mad may be the wrong word, maybe disappointed or whatnot, is how many guys would speak out, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. Well, if you don't like it, then jump on one of these calls. You know, voice your opinion. I think that we've shown that we have the, um, the most prominent league Right. So when the bubble was happening and we stopped playing games, I'm telling you, man, like every other league was calling. Uh, and a shout out to them, not saying like they didn't know what to do, but the NBA is a leader in a lot of ways. The NBA is a leader. Yeah. So the guys from the NFL, from Major League Baseball, from hockey, from all of this stuff like that, they was calling, asking me what we were going to do. And so, listen, I ain't perfect by no means, but listen, I ain't won nobody's championship. Right? I'm going to keep it honest with you. Right, Did the Olympics twice. I'm not an NBA champion yet, but I've been fortunate enough to be involved in business. I, look, if you don't like me, you got to turn your TV on and see this damn State Farm commercial on all day, every day. For years. That's probably not fun if you don't like me. Right? <laughs> you was not going to watch this NBA game and not see me on there. Shout out to State Farm too, y'all. Y'all keep, keep, let's keep it going. <laughs> let's keep it going. But there's a lot of that, like, why he get to do this, why he get to do that, right? right? So all that hate, all that this, that, and that, like, people will go out and say this, say that, right? Publicly, they might tweet, they might say this, but guess what? Yeah. Even when I was in that seat, and you know, when we have players meetings, and I'm a conversation, I'm a phone call away. Mm -hmm. I'm a phone call away, even as the union president. And this is crazy, because um, this was the hardest part is probably that I had to be so accessible, right? I had to be. And yeah. I like to say, I like to think I did a pretty good job of having open line of communication, whatever it was, whoever it was, like figuring out what's best for the players. And so yeah. if I go somewhere, You did a great what? job, bro, the, by the way. The guys who say that they don't like me or something, guess what? When they see me somewhere, what they say, what up, dog? Right. What's up, bro? What's Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> weird yeah um what did you what was i'm sure you learned a lot of things in that seat mm -hmm. what was the most important thing that you learned in that seat that you when you go off and you speak to future athletes mm -hmm. um or you think about you know where the game is going once you leave the game what is the thing in that seat that you learned that is important for athletes to know about the business of basketball sounds crazy but communication right and then in leadership you also got to be able to delegate Right. So um, if I got to micromanage, you got to listen. Right. Some people probably see me and they be like, man, man, he talk all the time. He talk all the time. But that's because I'm constantly listening. Right. 
I, I notice what most people say, like as employees or people that work, they always say they hate somebody who micromanage, right? So if you hear people say that all the time, you want to try to make sure that you're you not don't that. micromanage. <laughs> right, right, right. And you want to make sure that people feel like they are part of the whole and a part of the team. So I think the biggest thing, especially from the union stuff, is making sure I delegate it and our executive committee. Think about it. We had eight guys on the EC, 450 players. And I used to tell the EC, I used to be like, look, man, if this is something that's about to happen within our league, make sure we get it out to the players as quick as possible. Because everybody that you know, like, might be different, right? Like, you got a crew of people that you know. And mm -hmm. you know, like, when I was doing that, if something was about to come, if we was trying to propose something for the league, whatever it may be, I may be like, D, yo, league, think about doing this. You know, Braun, Mello, we, we think about doing this. See what guys think. That's the only way it's ever going to work. And yeah. that's why it has worked with Adam because we've always had that direct line of communication. Because if you try to do something without the players' buy-in, then it's going to be pushback, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the number one thing is to make sure you not just communicate, but over-communicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you're 19 years in the NBA, how long did you sit in that seat as president of eight, the union? Eight years. Eight years in the union. You left the, that seat in a way better place than it was before you got there. You've done some amazing things in the game. Will your career feel complete if you don't win a championship? Um, straight up, even though I think I'm going to win a championship before mm -hmm. I'm done, yes, absolutely. You know, I can't even process not winning a championship right, right that's now. Not, yeah, that's you know not what I mean? Focus. I was just literally how I'm built. But I love what I've been able to do with my career. Absolutely. And I probably was a lot more stressed about that once upon a time. But it's crazy how things change. Life changes. Like, my kids and my family, you know, is they extremely important. But I don't know, man. Like, it's just to still be able to play the game, right? Like, at year, it's crazy here, year 19, but at year 12, something else might have been on my mind. At year 19 now, mm -hmm. I'm in the locker room, and I'm trying to give my teammates, like, some, some of them, you know what I mean, just trying to tell them about perspective yeah. of, of this and not taking it for granted. When you dreamed up your career, right, we all, to get here, you had to dream about being here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far your dream went, but when you dreamed of your career, what was that dream? And in that, have you accomplished what that dream was when you dreamed of your career? Man. Um, I'm not talking about like, I want to win a championship. No, no, we I all know. know that everybody want to win a championship. Yeah, 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 no. But like that overall dream of, of yeah, being here. Man, I done did way more than I had ever dreamed of. Like straight up. Because in my dream, it was about basketball, right? And throughout this career, I didn't learn so much more about life, mm -hmm. about being a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like D, like I remember when you was leaving Miami or even the whole, you remember when we was on the boat? I remember. We was on the boat. Yep. And I remember just, even when I came to the, the NBA, 
It was on a yacht. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get that right. Correction. Because a boat is a little smaller you're than right, a yacht. You're right. You're right. You're right. Said that. Said that. It's okay. It was a nice one, too. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we was on there, and I'll never forget us talking about it. And we was like, man, they don't appreciate you. They tripping. I don't know. Like, you know. And and I remember even just seeing your face trying to even think about going to another team. Mm. You know, Boy. you you let them off the hook. <laughs> at one point, like giving them a discount. You know what I'm saying? But that's just because you straight Miami. And when I came into the league, I I hope everybody hopes that they're gonna have like a Dirk career or one team. Yep, Kobe years. and all that. And I'm gonna tell you, man, it's this dude named Eric Housen, who's been with the Warriors forever, right? Like since he was a kid. He's like, you know, you say the equipment guy, but he's a lot more than that. Right. And when I got to the Warriors, uh, it's been so dope to see how they operate and how they do things. Everything's so first class. And E. Housing would say something. He'd be like, see, you ever did this such I'd be like, nah, E, that's cool. We can do it like that. And he said something to me. He was like, Chris, I want to know. He said, I've only been here. Right? You want to know he something else. He wants to know what other teams do or how we travel or right. how I did this. And he said, Chris, I've only been here. Right. Right. So... What I've learned in this journey is that, yeah, of course, I don't love moving and changing teams and all this stuff, but I've got a chance to learn so much with the different teams and organizations that I played for. I've learned so many different leadership styles, playing for so many different coaches. I've seen that it's not one way to skin a cat, right? Like it's different types of things that you may do for these guys to get them motivated. This coach may be great at X's and O's and might be a rah, rah, rah guy. This guy right here might be a great manager of people. So me, I, I've appreciated this journey and what it's going to be able to do for me and whatever the next chapter in life is, right? Because I don't get it twisted. I, I still, like I'm a hothead, you know what I mean? But I, I still understand things that are happening and why they're happening. And mm -hmm. I'm paying attention to so much because there was a point in time, like, you know, when somebody on your team would turn the ball over, you what the fuck you doing? You going nuts. And now, you know, sometimes I will do that, but sometimes you just understand leadership is that, you know, maybe you don't get on a guy these four or five times yeah. so that you can do it later. Well, it sounds like you're more present now. Yeah. At a point in our career early on, we're not really present in it. Now, 19 years in, you appreciate it more. Yeah. Right? Because you obviously have less time left than you have. You're more present in, in all these moments and understanding that that moment of maybe getting on this guy, that maybe that's not going to help him. Yeah. This will help him. And it's because you've seen a lot. Because you, you know what I mean? You've yeah. seen other leaders and you've seen other. And so that right there, all these journeys, I mean, what, six teams? Six different teams you play for. Hold on. I had to write them down. <laughs> New, Orleans, New Orleans. The Clippers. Clippers. The Houston, Rockets. Thunder. Phoenix. G-State. Yep. So six teams. Yep. Six coaches. Six communities. Because you're a community guy. You've been in these communities all of them. So you've seen so much. And so you're present and you understand what these individuals need because of your experience. Yeah, that and I think that union aspect too. Mm -hmm. Not just union aspect, but the NBA life, right? So you get a chance to see what the NBA looks like, but you also get a chance to see what after the NBA looks like, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. So when you talk about, like, what's lifestyle like when you get done playing? Because there's a void. 
there's a void, man. And so when you play long enough and you get a chance to see some of your closest friends retire, that's why whenever we get together, I'd be asking questions. Even mm-hmm. when you ain't around, I'm asking other people questions about you. I'd be like, man, what you doing? Okay, you going where? You going to Dubai? What? What is it? You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, because I think there's a preparation for retirement that nobody can prepare for. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of friends, is two moments I want to talk about with friends. Um, the second one will be Mello, the Houston time. We'll get to that because I just had Mello on the pod. Shout out to Mel. Amazing Did y'all talk podcast. about that? We talked about it, and we we talked about you in the moment that you guys, when, when you came in the room, y'all had your conversation. We're going to talk about that. But the first one I want to speak about, do you remember in the— Okay, so everybody talks about the trade that did not happen when you did not go to the Lakers, <laughs> right? We all—that's one of the—no one still understands it, right? Even though people have explained it. You're talking about the but, Miami? But do you remember the call with Brian, you and I, when we were thinking about 
when Riley wanted to trade to bring you to Miami. Absolutely. You I remember, remember. We was, I was getting on the phone? I was sitting in my condo and CJ was sitting. <laughs> <laughs> CJ, CJ was sitting on the couch, right? If you go back to my brother, always there. CJ was sitting on the couch and we was talking about me coming to Miami. Mm-hmm. We was talking about me coming to Miami. We was talking about who going to have a ball in their hands, mm-hmm. how it's going to work. We having a conversation. Yep, we having a conversation, right? And then who was it? Was it CJ? Was it CJ that said something about who going to wear number three? <laughs> Bro, that's what I wanted to get to. We talk about all this about who going to have the ball. Okay, we can all play together now, CP. I can play off the ball. We didn't yeah. figure all that out. And somebody said, well, who going to wear number three? Silence. <laughs> Listen. Mess the whole trade up. Listen. That's why the trade ain't happen. Mess the whole trade up. Because <laughs> yeah, I, cause CP could wear number three in Miami. Mess Listen, the whole trade up. <laughs> I don't know what they was going to do. Because you was older, you probably could have just won. No, 33. no, no. I wasn't older. <laughs> you was, was older prime. than me. I was, pri- I was in my prime. I know, but because you older than me, you just wear 33. No, no, no. See, and so this is the conversation we're having. And I'm like, I, that's my number. He's like, well, that's my number. Yeah. What we going to do? What we going to do? Six? <laughs> no, that ain't it. The that basketball number means that so much it. that. So, yeah, they, had, so you're saying, so we didn't get a chance to see this trade because of a number three? Man, That's listen, what I'm saying. Listen. Wow. I'm saying the trade didn't go down. Riley didn't pull the trigger because CP <laughs> wasn't going to be with number three. Because you could have two number threes. Listen, let me tell you. We had talked for a while, too. We had talked about what the team would Bro, look like. Bro, we started getting excited. We had talked about what the team would look like, all this different type of stuff. And then I think it was CJ it that was sitting over CJ. there. He we was like, what number are you going to wear? What number am I going to wear? What number he going to wear? <laughs> and that ended the hey, whole conversation, you know everybody. How, you know how the football team, <laughs> like two guys be having a number? We just going to have to do something. <laughs> we just going to have to do something. That's why I, I don't That's why I didn't go down. I remember when you when that question was posed, I was sitting there like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, just get another number. And CP like, no, like, I'm whole it's, trade. It's almost in Miami. Whole trade. Almost because of the jersey number. Whole, whole D-Wade, D-Wade, experience. D-Wade wanted to sacrifice everything else. I wasn't going to D-Wade. Else. I wasn't going to D- D- D-9. D-, D-, D wanted to sacrifice everything else. He didn't want to sacrifice damn number. I tell you, I, man. Listen, I sacrifice not getting touches. <laughs> I sacrifice not getting the articles read and not getting the most money. But I am not giving up my number. <laughs> I am not switching my number, hey. so it didn't happen. Uh, I just want to know if you remember that, bro, because it's funny that no one knows that conversation happened, but really... Obviously, a lot of things had to happen for it to get right. But the fact that we had that conversation about the number and it went, that's when that's we both, well, all of us was like, well, I was in my condo work. in New Orleans. I had like a couch or whatever. I was sitting on one side. CJ was sitting on the other. Everybody, they go to the story for y'all. Man. Oh, man. All right. This, so let's get to the mellow one. So you got a chance to play with your brother, right? In, yep. in the midst of this career, for us to get a chance to play with each other with the relationship we've had is pretty cool. Yep. And you got a chance to play with Melo in Houston. Melo talks about it on the podcast. Everything that happened in Houston is very public, what mm-hmm. happened. But he talks about the moment where he felt the way about how it went down. And you being one of the top guys on the team, you and James, he was like, I want to know if CP knew about this and he didn't tell me. Yep. Talk to me about your side, your version of that conversation. Man, that's crazy. So um, we just played the Clippers the other night, right? And so Russ... Right, you know me and Russ, me and Russ, pretty close or whatnot. We talked, and um, we actually talked about this the other night. And it's something that's interesting in the league with all this different type of stuff. And you know it, like when you quote unquote friends and you want to team up and play on the same team with with guys. 
it's hard. Boy, it's hard. It's hard. And mm. I think enough guys don't understand that, right? And that if you do want to play with your, like, quote-unquote friend, then at some point, if it ain't working out, it's going to be some hard conversations. Mm-hmm. But you better be willing to have them hard conversations because if you're not, it's literally going to destroy the friendship, right? It is. I feel like I've seen that time and time again. And, and most of the time, people are not. Not what? Willing to have the hard conversation. Exactly. And... Some of that has happened with me and teammate. If like there was something real, I'd be like, well, let's talk about it, right? Like I can't just act like ain't nothing happening. But to go to Melo's situation, um, <laughs> Melo told he he told you like when he texted me, what, what, what Melo tell you? <laughs> you know, yeah, oh man. Melo told us his version. What is your yeah. version of the moment? So. This this that is what you, y'all came. Yes. y'all met in the room. Yes, all right. But, but the way I huh? the hotel room. Yeah, so the way I got to the hotel room is crazy. I had I had the family in town. We was in San Antonio. Okay, I had Jada and the kids, and we was at uh, Andretti's or something like that, like a race car place with Rudy Gay and his family, right? So we there, my family, and I get a text from Melo, and it said, "Bro, did you know?" Mm. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I called Melo, and I'm going to tell you the whole story. And Melo, I know how tough you are, but I'm going to tell you. No, he, he talked about it. Right. I'm going to tell you. So um, I called Mel. I said, Dog, what's going on? He said, man, uh, he said, Daryl came to his room. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you know Daryl Moore. Don't know him. Yeah. He, no people skills. <laughs> Real talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, he don't really understand how to. To, to talk to people. And so, um, as soon as Melo told me that, I got Jada, my kids, and we got up. I said, Rudy, I got to go. I went back to the hotel, right? Called Melo, called Melo, went to his room, knocked on the door or whatnot. And I was in there with, with Melo for a long time, for a long time, hour, a couple of hours. And like, Mel was in tears, man. Like, seriously, and I, I was right there with him because I, I know how much he gave to the game. But throughout the whole process of him coming to Houston, me and Melo would talk, you know, about the start and about all of this stuff. I never, you know, said this is what's going to happen or that that's not going to happen. So he tells me what happened with Daryl or whatnot. And I was like, what? What did he say? He told come came to his room, mm-hmm. told him he'd get him a flight back to New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trip. how you say this to this man, first and foremost? <laughs> uh, so then he told him, so we played San Antonio the next day, right? We were going to play San Antonio the next day. Try to tell that man that he could get on the team plane and fly back with us after the game. I ain't never, you you something else, boy. I ain't never really told. It's some of the most disrespectful shit I've never seen, right? So... Melo um, said something about him, told him to sit behind the bench or something like that, too. Oh, see, I don't know that. He might have said that, but I know like, he said something Like, come and sit behind the bench and then probably fly with the team on the plane. Fly on the team plane back to Houston, right? After you just told the man you don't need his services yeah. no more. Incomplete. Excuse me. Excuse me. So, so right, um, I think I might have hit Daryl or something like that, too, and just told him, how fucked up he was and how disrespectful that was. And we played against San Antonio that next night. I got a plane. 
I got a plane on my own. Me, Jada, and Melo flew back to Houston. Because you was not going to do that and then expect him to get on the team plane yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, too, when Melo told his side of the story, it wasn't just Melo in tears. I, I feel like you were, too. Absolutely. Well, you That's left that said. out when you said your no, story. No, I said, I said Melo. I said, me, too. No, you did no, not. No, you didn't. Oh, I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, well, Melo did. I thought, did. I, did. I, <laughs> thought I did. Yeah, no. No, I, it was, but it was an emotional moment, right? No, Being straight up. I thought I said I was, too. Yeah. I said Melo's in tears. I said, me, me, too. Well, I'm saying me, too, because I know him. I know the type of work he had put into the game. Man. I knew being away from the family, you know what I'm saying? Seeing Cayenne growing up and all this, and it's crazy. And I think that's why even now, like when I see him with Cayenne getting to show up, yeah, getting to show up, just like when I see you with your kids getting to show up, because it's, I'm going to tell you this real quick, that not, not to do with that story, but this whole cycle, this whole NBA thing is the wildest thing because this was my dream to make it to the NBA, right? My kids, my my wife and everybody, they they know that. They they root for you, they support you, they do all these things. But my parents, I'm not in the NBA without my dad. Mm-hmm. Without my parents for sure, but I without my dad coaching me and you know, giving me the tools that I need, right? And so then when we have kids who have these same dreams and aspirations, it's the hardest thing because I'm not getting an opportunity to be there right. and do for them like what your dad my did folks for you. did yeah, for your me, mom did especially for you, yes. my dad. So mm-hmm. it's, it's it's dope to see y'all and uh, especially Melo. Yeah, I mean, obviously you will be, you know, at, at some point you will be there more because, you know, he will continue to have basketball life and your basketball life will have come to an end. Yeah. Um, so you would definitely have that moment, but... One thousand percent. It's it's one of the dopest things that you can yeah. that you can do. But that Houston Melo thing was wild. But throughout the whole time, and Melo, no, I'd tell him right now if he was right here. So I don't get any alerts right on my phone. I don't get no alerts. Notifications off. No notifications. I'm talking about like uh, like Bleacher Report, ESPN. Like I don't be no. When I was union president, I cut all that off because I was having to deal with real stuff, not like speculation. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so a lot of stuff I find out. People calling you because of speculation. you like, no, this is what's really happening. Exactly. Yeah. I'm always having to tell somebody the real story yeah. because that, that's what it is. So a lot of stuff I find out is because Jada tell me. You know what I mean? It's like somebody got punched the other night and somebody was like, yo, such and such got punched. I was like, what? You know, and then that was, that was how I operated. But not somebody got punched the other night. Yeah, they did. Hope you all right. Um, when Melo came to Houston, it was all these things coming out about if he's starting and coming or off the bench, coming off yeah. the bench yeah, and all that stuff, like right. Yep. So I called Melo, right? I was like, look, if you come, you come to Houston or whatnot, we sort of had a starting five already, you know what I'm saying, with PJ and all this stuff. And it was crazy because it was almost like when I was in college because PJ got hurt. PJ got hurt. Oh, like your point guard in college. Yes, PJ got hurt in camp. And so the first few preseason games, Melo started. started. I remember yep. that. But throughout that whole situation, I don't never care what they talking about in the media. We doing real life. You know what I'm saying? Trust and believe. We I know talking. That. We talking in real life. And so if you're going to let 
uh, your homies like have to guess what's going on in the media, then it ain't gonna work. Mm -hmm. It ain't gonna work. But mellow through and through because at the end of the day, my relationship and my friendship with him was more important to me than anything that would happen there mm -hmm. in Houston. So I made sure that I communicated with him. <clears throat> I have a question. So before that, so after this moment, you, you ain't got to clear your your I, I throat was, on my on my I, microphone. My, phone, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> we but, live over here. <laughs> <clears throat> what you? It, all right, go ahead, mom. Another sip. So you have. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. So you had your own Daryl Mori experience right after that. Um, hey boy, y'all is something else on this joint. <laughs> y'all is something else. Boy, have mercy. I'm just saying because I don't think you ever had a chance to get you know, clear your chest. Wait, talk to me about that. Do oh, I you know, know about that? Yes, you do. Because oh, y'all three had a conversation about that before, but it never, it never came out just yet. Hey, uh -huh. listen, everybody here. Don't ever go on your family's podcast, all right? <laughs> don't ever There's go no on. personal things <laughs> about you. Listen. I'm just saying, but just say space, man. This is safe space. Everybody listening, don't ever go on your family's podcast because <laughs> they're going to they gonna ask you about Stuff that <laughs> it's a safe space. Listen, it's a safe space. It's safe so, space to the world. This, this is your. This is your time. Wait, I, don't, I don't. I don't know if I know about this. Wait, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna let. Him, I'm gonna let, say how you want to say it. Uh, well, shit, we're here now, huh? <laughs> Was this in Houston? Yes. Okay. Oh man. Uh, Was this man. at the end of your Houston um, tenure uh, that we talking about? Yeah. Do yeah. you want to talk about? It or you want to move on? No, I, I tell you. So uh, we can move on. I basically got myself traded from Houston. <laughs> <laughs> I basically got myself traded from Houston. I called, uh, I called <laughs> Daryl and I called uh, the coach, uh, Dan Tony, to tell him somebody could come end up playing on the team with us. But what happened was Daryl called, called me while I was in Vegas, right? Um, and what's crazy is Shay... I seen Shay in Vegas. I seen Shay in Vegas. So the night that started everything is when Kawhi went to the Clippers and then Paul George got traded to the Clippers, right? Mm -hmm. And so Russ was still in OKC and Shay went to... Um, he went to OKC, OKC for the trade, yep. Yeah, for the trade. So I actually talked to Russ that night, but then um, I seen Shay in Vegas when I seen Shay, I dapped up Shay. I was like, Shay, man, it's gonna be good for you, man. You're gonna get the hoop. You're gonna get to do yeah. your thing. Okay, see. Yeah. So then I go over to the gym to work out. I'm in Vegas and Daryl called me. Daryl was like, hey, Chris, uh, I was just calling you to, because we was trying to figure out if we could possibly get Russ to, what's his name, to Houston, whatever. He was like, I was just calling you to, what'd he say, just to make sure you wouldn't want to go to OKC. I was like, no, why? I didn't move 15 people to Houston. And he was like, okay, I was just making sure. He was like, I would never trade you to somewhere you didn't want to go because you chose to come to us from the Clippers, right? Okay. Like I chose to go to Houston okay. from yeah. LA. Yes, you did. Okay. Uh, so that's what he had said to me. So then I go down to uh, Peach Jam. I'm in uh, Atlanta at Peach Jam. And you know Colin Sexton. Mm -hmm. Colin had came down to Peach Jam to, to work out with me. And I'm at the house, at the house chilling. And um, I was on the phone with Jada. And next thing you know, bloop, bloop, it said that I was getting traded. And then my phone started ringing and it was Daryl calling. You were getting traded to OKC. OKC. Yeah, so I ain't know. I ain't know. Then Daryl called me. Phone started ringing. It was Daryl called me. And Daryl, like I told you, I'm very matter of fact. Daryl was like, hey, man, 
it just moved so fast, you know. <laughs> That's what it, he said, it moved so fast. I said, it's all good. I said, I just want you to tell me one thing. You said you weren't going to trade me, right? To okay, see, he said, Yep, I said that, but I said, That's all I need to know. Yeah, well, yeah, that was that. Yeah, okay, but that happens, yeah, right? So, you unfortunately, you just, yeah, but unfortunately, it happens, but it's part business. of the business, mm-hmm. it's, it's part of the business or whatnot. So, I, I, mean, I think that's important to share because athletes who listen to this podcast, they, you know, they need to understand, even Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers, it's a part of the business for them as well, right? Do what someone tells you. Probably ain't gonna be, it probably ain't gonna hold true, right? Like yeah. you know, I've, I I left Miami for a lot of reasons because you you buy into what people tell you, yeah. and then when it doesn't show up in the way that you wanted to, now your feelings are hurt. Yeah, it, it's it's that, and I think when you've been playing for a while or whatnot, and you sort of understand the business, right? Like yeah. you know, like when you played for a while, like you know how the the trade calls happen. Mm-hmm. You know how everybody always say. It just moves so fast, <laughs> like we sort of know how it goes. Right. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like yeah. we got agents, we we know the phone calls that happen, and then there's yeah. a whole trade call that's gotta happen for What about Chris? Yeah, I think I think <laughs> it's just hard. I think it's hard conversations that have to be had and you know, what they say time heals, you know, certain things yeah. or whatnot, but you 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 learn. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Through your programs that you have, and I don't know, you know, exactly which one, but through your, you know, your your camp that you have, through your AU program, you have a lot of guys that's in the pros from yeah. that, right? Through your point guard, you do your, your top point guard camp. Yep. Uh, thank you for letting my son come to that camp one year. <laughs> but through that, 
you have a lot of guys who are now in the pros and it's amazing to celebrate it. But is this a part of the conversations that you guys have about the business of the game of basketball? It be, you know, because now they're there and, and they get drafted by a team. Have you had these conversations with these young guys about this side of it? Because you are, you know this side better than anybody. Right. Yeah, I try to, but you just never know a different guy's situation. You saying, do I have these conversations with the young with the young yeah, guys? like you you you've been around them for so long. You around a lot of these star players now. You've been around them since they were young. You yeah. know them when they were when they was young jits. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to know in the process of not just talking about basketball, the relationship y'all have. Do you give this veteran leadership to them about the other side of the game of basketball? Oh uh, yeah, I, I try to as much as possible because uh, I mean I got fourteen of our kids that came through our AAU program. That's that crazy. Play in the, That's amazing. <laughs> they're playing the NBA now, but. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, Grant Grant Williams, because uh, a lot of these kids become part of my family, mm-hmm. right? Which they are. But you know, when they get to the league, I try to give them their space too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to hover like uh, Gigi Jackson is one of our kids, and he I mean, yeah, yeah, he guy, Gigi was still calling me coach at one point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's such a great kid, man. And and to see his path, everybody's path is different. Yeah, Gigi played Peach Jam a couple years ago. Skipped his senior year of high school, went straight to South Carolina. Now he's in the NBA. Yeah. You know, getting a chance. But you 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 try to tell them as much as possible, as, as much as they can digest. Yeah. But I've almost also took the approach of letting them go through their process and just being, I tell them all the time, I ain't gonna because I I know the pressure of when you get to town feeling like you gotta come to dinner with me. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. something like that. And I don't ever do that. I don't ever want to smother them. I don't ever want them to feel like they got to come see me or something like but that. But you let them know you're there and you're, you're accessible. Yeah, you're accessible. I don't care. If my phone ring and it's them, if yeah. it's a text message, I don't care what's going on. Yeah. I'm going to see about them. I, I think the the one thing that I, I, as I look back on my career, I look back at, we have veterans when we came in the league. Yep. It's a little different now because the, the game has went a little younger. And we had, like, vets there. And I learned a lot from my vets. A lot of how I moved through life, I learned from my vets. And so it's important that you have that. And for all everybody who's out there listening to this, it's important that you actually take up guys on that. If you get a guy phone number, if you got access to a guy who has done it before you, please, please, (laughs) please take them up on just information that they can give you about the business of this game and about the game itself, how to take care of your body and all these things, but the business of the game is something that I'm learning on the other side now. Yeah. And it's things that I was like, if I'd have knew this, I would have done this differently. Yeah. I would have had different conversations and contract negotiations because I know these things. And so please reach out to guys so they can help you learn how to, you know, do your career a little better than we've been doing it, in a sense. You're exactly right. And that's what's been cool about this whole process. Like, I mean, I the union presidency for a while. Yeah, it was stressful. It was a lot, but it was learning. Like, I've been playing in the NBA, but I've been in a business class on steroids for all these years, Mm -hmm. having direct conversations with all these different owners. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. direct conversations and some of them being willing to teach, right? But they was only willing to teach because I asked questions, Mm -hmm. you know? And you think about you. Think about you got family, you got business, you got, you ain't got a lot of time, right? So, I try to tell people all the time, I'm not really going out like trying to seek people to give them this advice too. Yeah. Right. So you you realize you gotta it's gotta be somebody who wants it. Yeah. They got they gotta come to you. You can't go tap them and be like, hey, young fella, you want me to teach you about some 
stuff. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> no, it ain't gonna happen like that. No, but if you like, hey man, like that's that's what happened with me and Shay, right? So when I was in OKC, Shay and Dort and, and Bays, I'm gonna tell you, man, it's it's gonna sound crazy. Darius Baisley was a rookie of mine when I played in OKC. Bays had been in the G League this past year or whatnot, and it was literally maybe like two weeks ago, and I hadn't talked to Bays in a while, in a while. Bays just sent me a text out the blue, and he was just like, yo, see, hit me, I need to talk to you about something. And I would never say this to him or whatnot, but I, like, got excited. You know what I mean? Just you just because, said it to him. Huh? You just said it to him. What? You just said it to Bays. Oh, yeah, no, no. But he probably, <laughs> probably, Bays ain't probably paying attention to it. But guys like that who... You know, you just have so much love for and you yeah. sort of letting them go through their own experiences. It's cool to know that, you know, if they really just need some advice on something, they reach out to you. So I tell people all the time, it's not a lot of people who call me or FaceTime me that I'm going to pick up without them texting me, <laughs> asking me, can they call or FaceTime me? But CP is one of those people who would just FaceTime you. No question. And I say that to say, one thing I know about you is you are a relationship person. You really take your relationships and you you mold the relationships. You, you know, you reach out to these relationships and you have relationships with, you know, obviously in the basketball world, but you have relationships with Bob Iger at Disney, President Obama, <laughs> Michael Jordan, like Jay-Z, like the list goes on and on. In those relationships that you have, how do you, besides reaching out, how do you utilize those relationships? One of the biggest things I learned years ago, right, with some of the people that you name is as important as we all think we are in our heads, we can get lonely at times too. You know what I mean? Because most people don't call a Texas because they like, oh, they're busy. They such and such. You Facts. know what I mean? I learned that with Bob a long time ago and Jay. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, like I, I when I first like would talk to them, I would text them and be like, all right, they'll probably hit me back tomorrow. And then you'd be like, yo. And then they'd be like, yo, what's up? You'd be like, oh, what, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you don't realize that people have downtime too. And a lot of people ain't checking on them. You know what I mean? So that's that's a real thing. Like, cause I know a lot of times, man, you send voice notes or whatnot. And we spend most of our lives providing and taking care of others. So when you find somebody that will rarely every now and then just check, check in on, on you, you, man, right? Just you cherish that. <laughs> you cherish that. When you get back to your phone after practice or something like that, because all you done known is work, right? We go out, have a great night, such and such. We like, all right, we got to be at the gym at seven. You just know work, mm -hmm. right? So when you find somebody that will just text you because they don't want nothing, <laughs> Right. And they just like, hey, I don't want nothing, just checking in on you. You know, some Man. people will say that to you and then you'd be like, oh, appreciate it. Then they hit you with the, but you know why you're here. <laughs> why you're here. Well, I got you. Yeah, while I got you. <laughs> while I got you. So when you find them relationships like that where you can just genuinely check on people, yeah. man, you, you cherish it, especially because there are a lot of relationships that are surface level or transactional. And what's crazy is people don't realize in the NBA, you have a lot of teammates and stuff like that over the years, and you try to cultivate those relationships, but like what you and UD is different. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes guys are just teammates, and that is okay. And that's perfectly that fine. That is perfectly okay, but when you find them, them relationships that's real and genuine, yeah. you got to shape it and mold it. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Before I get to my last questions, Bob, you got anything else? Yeah, I want to um, talk a little bit more about, because you've been building out your, your business portfolio for, for quite some time. Old Dip Productions. Old Dip, um, Beyond Meat, and just a bunch of venture capital programs. Like, how, what was your foresight into that as you were going, kind of shaping your, like, your career? Yeah, that, so that was a part of my last okay. questions. I mean, you, you're very, you know, you're very involved Good into eats. your foundation. Um, obviously, everything you do with the HBCUs and, all those things. So you found time in the midst of being one of the greatest players ever played, you found time to build out these other ventures in your life that it will prepare you for what's next. How have you done that? And how how have you found time to do that as well? Man, it's funny because I'm still learning, right? As much as people may think I know or whatnot, I know a lot about certain things, but I'm still learning. And I think one of the things that I always pay attention to, like I say, with guys who have retired, like yourself or whatnot, is because, and uh, even Dre, I'll tell you this, about Dre Iguodala, right, doing the union stuff now. Uh, when I was the president of the union, man, they would call me with things or issues that was going on in the office in New York, right? And I'm like, I'm in L.A. <laughs> like, how can I manage this? And so I feel like when you get done playing, you have a lot more time to really dedicate to what's going on. Right. So like Dre being in the office now, he gets an opportunity to to really see what's going on. So when it comes to business, I think for me, I'm just always asking questions. Right. And when I came in the league, I do an endorsement deal because you're just trying to get a check. It was kind of transactional. Now it's about looking at the overall business. Mm -hmm. Right. So now with the NBA and knowing like 
with the media rights deal, all this different type of stuff. Obviously, like I've been on the competition committee for 15 years, right? For 15 years, I've helped decide the rules of the game. So when you think about the play-in tournament, the mm -hmm. in-season tournament, I'm involved with the all-star game rules, the all-star all game mm -hmm. rules, like the business of the game and just seeing like the courts, right? Like everybody sees the courts uh, that the in-season tournament games were on. Now I'm a part of the cause where it's like, okay, at some point these courts might be able to be sold to companies, right? Which is just more revenue. Right, so when it, when anything comes to business or whatnot, that's the way my mind works, and I try to be as involved as possible now, because, and I say this all the time, man. And me and Adam have sort of went back and forth. This is for a whole another conversation, but we're at. I mean, everybody's not Hall of Fame. Shout out to you and just primetime players or whatnot, but we're usually our most valuable as a player. For sure, right. So as a, That's when they're picking up their phone exactly. when you call. Mm -hmm. my, my analogy is always like if you play in L.A. or something like that uh, for the Lakers or something like that, and you call Nobu Malibu and you want a reservation, they probably going to find you a table. But if you call and say, yo, I used to play for the Lakers, <laughs> they're going to be like, hold one second, please. <laughs> you know? And it's just, it's just one of those things where as a current player, um, you got to try to leverage what you can, Yeah, you know? And, yeah. and that means in business, that means, you know, this person who's the CEO of this company, go do a meeting with them. And, you know, it's hard though, because you're trying to be the best player that you can be, Yeah, right? Especially as a young kid, um, the coach is telling you to work out. You're trying to manage finance. You're trying to make sure your mama got this. You're trying to make sure all this. But if you can find time, go, go sit down and, and listen. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is, and I tell people all the time is, you know, we've been trying to get our master's degree in being, you know, the greatest athletes that we yep. can be, become. We don't have time to get our master's degree in business. And, but if you actually do that, if you actually take these opportunities to go sit and listen and learn, you get in, in real time master's degree. <sighs> like right now, I'm in business school in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the opportunity we have because of the career we have. And so I tell people that all the time. It's like, Understand what you don't know. And what you don't know is you don't know business, but we are in business. Like we are, a lot of us are getting in business, we're involved in it, and we don't know it. And you don't always want to allow others to just tell you about your business. No question. You want to know your business and tell them about your business. And when you do that, it's, it's crazy because everyone talks about everything except for business, right? So we played in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago and we had a another game in Philly. So instead of flying, we drove, right? You know, everybody get their iPads on the bus and we like, oh, we got, man, we got a two-hour ride. We're going to watch this show on the, on, the, on the back of the bus. It was the dopest thing ever. I was in the back. Draymond was sitting on the other side. Jerome Robinson was in the seat in front of that and uh, uh, Trace Jackson, a couple of my younger teammates. Nobody watched a DVD or movie. We literally talked about the business things that we have going on. Mm -hmm. And being in the locker room for so long, you know guys in the locker room talk about everything but business and money, mm -hmm. right? Nobody want to talk, talk about, about money. They cars, they watches, girls, music, all this different type of stuff. But we got to normalize that because guys don't talk about that stuff because they don't want to put their pride aside. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They scared to ask you know, when you find a guy who wants to add, even, you know, even some of the prominent guys. Yeah. Right? Some of the prominent guys might be making the big money, 
but they still don't know nothing about business. Yeah. So we got to somehow normalize those conversations. I always say one of my favorite moments in my career was sitting on the plane with um, James Jones, Mike Miller, Brian, UD, CB, all of us sitting there and we were talking about business. Mm -hmm. And normally guys don't talk about it. And I was talking, we were talking about our insecurities. You know what I mean? I was talking about my insecurities. I was like, man, I done went through a divorce. I done lost this, I done lost that. And Mike was like, but you still, you got, you just signed this deal. How much you got left? You got 50 million left? You can do, we start talking about it and start telling me, hey, you should do this. You should think about this. And I, bro, I walked off that plane that day and I was just like, yo, that was one of the, the greatest moments that we've had outside of winning the championship because we all was helping each other and we was all being vulnerable with each other because we all deal with the same things. Yeah. You know what I mean? It may look a little different, but a lot of it is the same. And so those conversations, you know, obviously needs to be had, had more, but everyone wants to hold their cards so close to their chest <laughs> because they don't want to look less than. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You don't want to look weak. And because we all got to be so macho and we got to be superheroes. And so these conversations, they definitely need to be had. Yeah. They definitely be Shout had. Shout out. More. That's crazy. You just said that. Shout out to Rudy Gay, man. Rudy, Rudy has been like my brother for a long time. And I'm telling you, every time we talk, it's talk about our family life for a second. But it's it literally always goes to something business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's dope because it just keeps your mind sharp on, on all the other things. So when I started the interview, I talked about you as a dad. I talked about you as a dad, but I talked about little Chris and that dynamic. Talk to me about the dynamic with your daughter because that's a whole different dynamic. Talk about being a girl dad and how you, she's an athlete as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how is that? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> when you say, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's different. It's, it's very different. And I'm one of two boys, right? So, um, I I wanted a boy, right? Just because that's what I knew. I knew me and CJ dynamics. I wanted another little boy. So little Chris had somebody to wrestle with and fight with. Come to find out, having a daughter, he still had somebody to wrestle and <laughs> fight with, right? And it's, I could not imagine life without her. Without her. And it's crazy how quick things change and to see her. And I've always loved kids. Always loved kids. So, um she's 11, Chris is 14. I always wanted like a daddy's little girl, right? But because I was gone all the time and like growing up, you know, Chris was always with me at the gym and yeah. I would ask Cam, like, come here, come here. She's always been up under Jada, right? Always been up under Jada. And it's probably about four years ago, maybe three, yeah, maybe like four years ago that, or three years ago, whatever it was, but she really started to like, gravitate to me. Like, if she got sleepy, I always wanted to be the one to hold her. But she want to go to her mama. She yeah. want to go to her mama. And it's just been so cool to see um, the relationship that we have. Like, the days that I would come home, because this is my fifth year living away. So the days that I would come home and I would take her to school, you know, I'd be like, Cam, you want me to walk you into school? And I was just prepared for her to say no, Right. Because she's also like, she don't want all that attention going to her dad and whatever. And yeah. I remember I asked her one day, I said, Cam, you want me to walk you on to school? She said, yes. And I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> you got excited, boy. Got excited. <laughs> got out the car to walk her into school and she held my hand, mm -hmm. right? And I'm, I'm like getting goosebumps over here now because mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's different. And to see how sweet she is, like she is... A sensitive thug, you know what I mean? But <laughs> she um, 
it's different. Like I said, I've always been like, like all boy. So to see her and to see how like artsy and stuff she is, like she gets up in the morning, she usually makes up her bed. She will open the blinds and all this stuff. And that's what me and her got in common. She an early bird. She wake up early. Jada and little Chris will sleep to tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> but me and Cam, we get up. Me and Cam, we get up, we at it. And so now for the past five years, it's FaceTime every morning on the way to school, right? Which is hard, but it's, it's something. And to see how, I always tell her every morning when I see her, I'll be like, oh, you had fried chicken this morning. Because I still cannot grasp around my mind that my little baby puts on lip gloss or whatever. She, not lip, chapstick. I don't know. She calls it mask before night. Oh, and she, she yeah. Got a whole they do that little mask now. Hair, hair, she got a whole routine, all this stuff that I ain't ready for. But I mean, she is the most beautiful, gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life. So to see her and to see how competitive she is. I remember we was in the NBA finals and she called me one day on FaceTime and sat up her phone. And she is like crazy competitive too. And she was trying to dribble the ball between her legs, right? She kept trying. And you know, as a dad, I'm gonna just stay on there. You got it, <laughs> keep going, keep going. And so then I think I had to go to like team meeting. I don't know, man. It might've been like a couple hours later, she sent me a long, she sat there and tried to learn how to dribble between her legs forever. And she did it, you know, but she's just, she's very creative, very thoughtful. And, um, and she hoop, right? And she and she also played, yeah, she she played volleyball as she well, She played right? soccer. She played she, soccer. She didn't did everything, but she she didn't pretty much, I think, got it down to like soccer and, uh, and basketball. Okay. Um, my last question is always, um, what you think that you own is the why. <laughs> and so as we sit here on your brother's podcast, what's your why? Yeah, um, my why is it's crazy because it changes, it evolves. At mm -hmm. one point in life, you think it's this, it's that. You know, one point it was like, you know, I just want to make my kids proud or whatnot, which that's part of it. But I think at this point, um, like my, my family, and when I say that, that's like my extended family. I more say like, like my community, I, I started to realize when I'm like happiest, right? And once upon a time it was, and it's still basketball, is still my happy place, but my happiest is when I'm around like my community, mm -hmm. right? The people that I love, like I want to see them thriving. It's like they always say like, if you thriving and nobody else around you, then that ain't it. That ain't it at all. That ain't it. So I think for me, what I want to make sure or try to help as much as possible is to make sure my people are like thriving, you know, so that you're able to go to dinners and all this stuff like that and everybody enjoy themselves and you're going on these trips and vacations or whatever and everybody is, you know, thriving and feel good about themselves. And that is everybody, the point guy, Chris Paul. Yes, sir. Thank you, my brother. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. 
That's betterhelp.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.